everybody. Thanks for listening to One More with Mike. I'm your host, Mike DeFrancisco, and today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite shows of all time, starring Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, The Simple Life. Hi again, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to One More with Mike. This is Mike, and um, we're here to discuss a very important TV show called The Simple Life. Uh, we're, we're jumping into episode two of the first season. Um, really quick, if you're wondering what this podcast even is about, uh, I'm recapping old TV shows that I absolutely love from back in the early 2000s. So far, I've been talking a bit about, uh, Kathy Griffin's My Life on the D-List, as well as this lovely production called The Simple Life. And, um... I'm always interested in finding some more things to cover, so if you have any favorites from the time period that you think would be really fun to hear about, let me know, and um, I'll probably do it, because, you know, I've got time. Um, And so uh, let's just jump right in. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, Simple Life, episode 102. Uh, Before we really get started, though, I do want to cover some corrections from my previous episode about The Simple Life corrections slash additions um, of information that I found out since uh, since the last recording. Um, so I do also, so correction first and foremost, I, I think I kept saying 2004 for The Simple Life, which is generally true, but if we're really like, if we're really getting down to brass tacks here, it actually debuted in 2003, December 2nd, 2003 on the Fox network was the premiere episode of The Simple Life. Um, And it premiered, I'm impressed by this, to 13 million viewers. And I guess I'm not impressed by this because I did share how much I I remember of that time period that it felt like everybody was watching. And it seems like a lot of people were watching back there in, uh, you know, the Christmas season of 2003. We were uh, looking for some, you know, family entertainment. And this is what that was. I was unsure about Nicole's musical career. And so I decided, you know, I'm not just going to speak to the fact that I don't know what it is. I'm going to look into it. And so I looked into it. And I'd like to report back to you that I am still unsure about Nicole's musical career. Um, So I can tell you that I found out that she made her public musical debut in 2005 when she played the piano on The View, the TV news show, The View. Uh, This is in 2005, however, after The Simple Life has had, I think, one or two seasons at this point. So previous to that, I still don't know where they're coming up with her job title or one of her job titles as as musician. That was unclear to me and still is. Um, But also, I read on Wikipedia, so you know it's true, that she uh, denied rumors that she was working on an album to People magazine when she was asked. And she said, understandably, I do want to, you know, record an album eventually, but right now I have a lot on my plate, which I respect. However, I still don't understand how back two years prior to this conversation, we were calling her a musician who hadn't performed publicly and didn't have an album and now is saying that she doesn't have time to make an album. So, you know, that's uh, confusing for me. Um, 
I got some other interesting information about kind of just like the origins of the show uh, that I thought maybe we would want to dive into for a quick second um, before we get into the content of this episode. Um, I was, you know, doing a lot of really uh, nuanced and detailed research, uh, like I said, on Wikipedia, and uh, I found out that Paris was originally um, in talks to do The Simple Life with her sister, Nikki. And, uh, but Nikki was like too shy and didn't want to, didn't want to participate. And so then allegedly, and this is kind of cold and I don't really enjoy this information very much. Allegedly Paris then asked her best friend, uh, Kim Stewart, who's Rod Stewart's daughter, if she would do it. And she said no. And then she asked another friend whose name is Casey Johnson, um, and she's the Band-Aid heiress, so good for her. Uh, and uh, Casey Johnson of Band-Aid said, nah, I'm good. I mean, like she's set. She does not need money. And, and maybe she just felt like she didn't want to put her arm up the cow, you know, whatever. So she said, no, thank you. Um, and then, then we got to Nicole Richie, which makes her not number one Nikki, not number two Kim, not number three Casey. She That makes her the fourth choice to be the co-star with Paris Hilton on The Simple Life. And I don't feel great about about that information. And um, since I read it, it was important to me. It, it makes me feel like a little gross inside, but I thought that you guys should know too. And I'm sorry if it makes you feel gross inside, but as my job as a reporter of the facts to you, I wanted to bring that to you. Um, and then this is uh, flash forward after five seasons of, of filming, and they are tumultuous seasons, we all know, and if, if you don't know, we'll get into it. Um, but after five seasons, the show is canceled officially in late 2007, early 2008. However, interestingly, they they start um putting together like some trial shooting for um i guess like a reboot basically with kelly osborne of the osbornes and again kim stewart of rod stewart's daughter um which you know like why do i keep hearing about kim stewart and you know how is it possible that we've gotten this far in the world of reality TV and celebrity, and I just feel like we don't hear that much about her, but she seems like she was right there on the cusp of of all of the goings on of the Paris and Hil- the Paris and Nicole and the Britney and the Kardashian. Like it all feels like she was right there on the outside, and somehow she didn't get swept away with that, you know, tsunami, which I think good for her but I also am not sure but so in any case she did film with with Kelly Osborne some content um but it didn't get picked up because not because it wasn't good but because Kelly Osborne pulled out she was like I don't actually want to do this um she said that she found it after a few days of filming to be demeaning and juvenile which I don't know what she thought she was signing up for but yeah of course I mean that's that's the show so I don't any case um so that's just some extra background that I wanted to throw in before we actually go into the content of the episode this is not I'm gonna be 
again, honest with you, this is not, like, my favorite episode. There's not a lot of, like, there's not a lot of gravitas to this episode. There's not maybe necessarily a water cooler moment. Like, we don't have a Walmart. Is Do they sell walls there moment? This is getting us acclimated to the, um the actual format of what the show's going to be. Because the first episode was really getting established, meeting everybody, understanding where we were, who we were, who everybody was. And now this episode is really setting up the format of what the rest of the season is going to be, which is we're going to check in with our family members over there, the the lettings. We're going to see some the brothers. We're going to see grandma. We're going to see the parents and stuff. But the real content that we're here for, that we're going to be getting, is every day they're going to be sent out for some other awful job where they will suffer, and then they will get fired, and then they will come back home and be sad about it, or not really care about it, really, honestly, and and then do some random kind of, like, social activity with the family or the town or what have you. And that's going to be our cookie-cutter, you know, format for probably the rest of every episode of every of the rest of this season at least um so so you know there's not too many fireworks but i did i did i did tease apart some details that i really think are actually pretty interesting so we're gonna um just get into those okay so we start off with our narrator who i don't think we ever see it's just like a somewhat annoying like voiceover guy and he's setting us up and he says tonight Paris and Nicole learn that one of the cornerstones of the simple life is good old-fashioned work. Okay, cool. Uh, so they're gonna, you know, work. And so we're like, oh, this is, this is where, you know, this is what we're here for. Um, and then we have a flashback to before they started, uh, before they left their home. And they're doing like a little interview, like a pre-interview, right? And we've got Paris and Nicole, and they're both there, and they're like, you know, they're sitting next to each other, they're doing like a joint confessional, and they're talking about how they've never had a job. Um, So they're asking like, oh, have you guys ever worked? And they're like, no, we've never, no, no, no. Um, But Nicole does add that she had been a figure skater. So I don't think that she was professionally figure skating, but she equates that to working, which, you know, I saw I, Tanya. Yeah, yeah, that is hard work, whether you're you know, doing it for the Olympics or you're doing it just, you know, recreationally. Um, I, I, I do consider that to be work because you probably have to get up early to get there and it's cold and uncomfortable. And when you leave your body probably aches and you sort of just want to like have a drink and go to bed. So, uh, so yeah. So maybe she wasn't getting ca- like catching a check for her work figure skating, but that does seem like work. And then also, we saw in the clip package of just like who who they are, oh Paris, white hot, sex appeal. We saw her doing um modeling, walking down a runway, which last time I checked, that is a job. I, I mean like people you say what you will about models, but like and maybe back in two thousand three we were a little bit more like blase about models and didn't understand like the work that they were doing but since that time with America's Next Top Model we see the work that goes in we know it's not easy you can't just like be born with a pretty face and just do it effortlessly it does take work and so 
whether Paris got paid or not to be on a runway, that that's a job as well. There's an expectation there of some sort that you're going to, you know, walk all the way to the end and pose and then turn back around and that you're going to look good in the garment. Anyway, um, so they ask, the producers ask, um, how do you feel about friends of yours who have jobs? You know, since we can't connect with you about having a job, you have, must have friends. You must know someone who has a job, right? How do you feel about that? And Paris just says, you know, we feel bad. We feel bad about that. And, you know, she's right. <laughs> she's right. If I was living, if I was living the Paris Hilton life, and, uh, you know, money was not something I had to really worry about. I would feel bad for friends of mine that had to work while I was able to just kind of, you know, lay out by the pool. I would feel bad about it. So I agree with her in that, in that assessment. So we understand that what's going to be coming up is that uh, the parents that we're staying with got... Nicole and Paris a job at their personal friend Danny's dairy farm okay now I haven't worked at a dairy farm so I didn't I didn't know that this is a thing but it seems like you got to get up pretty early to to work at a dairy farm so no thank you first of all but so we we have the now we're we're back in the present. We've left our flashback of of talking about what it's like to to not have to work, um, and they are awoken by an alarm. They're in their mud room. They're sleeping on top of you know the well. Samara's gone back down because the sun is about to come up, and she can't you know she's like a vampire, I guess. So so uh, we're waking up because the, the alarm's going off, and we see the clock, and it's five fifteen. And then there's the dad at the door, knock, 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 and the door, you know, I don't think there's locks on these doors, and that makes me a little bit uncomfortable, you know, regardless. And so he's there at the door, and he's like, uh, girls, it's, uh, 5.15, and we're supposed to be on, you're supposed to be on the road at 5.30. And now, this just seems ridiculous. There's no way that if they knew that they were supposed to be on the road at 5.30, that anybody was setting an alarm for 5.15. I, I mean, like, I have no hair, I have a shaved head. And I uh, am pretty low maintenance. I'm almost as low maintenance as it gets. Like I bed to shower to door. Like I don't eat breakfast. I'm not making coffee. I like if if I'm back in, in the past in another life when I had a job and I worked and we weren't all in quarantine, I would get up, shower, get dressed, out the door in what I thought was record timing. But even that was more than 15 minutes. So there's no way that we expect that Paris and Nicole are going to be able to get up and out the door in 15 minutes. They do not care. Um, so <laughs> they, um, they're like kind of lollygagging. They're getting, they're like, okay, da da da. They seem, I don't want to say hungover, but they don't seem like they had the best night's sleep, which could have been because of, you know, the ticks that were crawling up their bodies and giving them Lyme disease, maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just from the nightmares from the girl from the ring who was sleeping underneath their bed. I'm not sure. But all I am sure is that is that Nicole is wearing a tank top that says, dude, where's my coffee? And I just, I'm, I'm fond in that moment of a time where we felt like we could wear shirts that had words on them like that, like funny, funny catchphrase shirts, which is, you know, I don't, I don't know. 
it's fun. It's very American Eagle, circa exactly the time that this is taking place. Um, and, like, you know, a nice juicy couture, uh, like, sweatpant bottom. Like, they're not wearing the full set. They're not, like, that far into it right now, but, like, we know they have the full set. In any case, um, the family is, they, they do cut away to the family making breakfast while, like, Paris and Nicole are getting ready and we got Paris and Nicole they're, sh- they're in, the, in the bathroom there's only one bathroom and I'm sure that like grandma's got to pee and she's waiting for Paris and Nicole to finish doing like their eyelashes and stuff but you know whatever you know get in line so Paris says as they're like brushing their hair and doing their thing she's like mm, that bacon smells so good and Nicole says I know they probably killed it this morning which is funny because it could be true based on everything that we saw going on you know in the first episode so <laughs> Um, in any case, the, uh, parents are, are getting stressed out about them being late. And it's interesting to me because this starts, this starts to bring us down, like, the concept of, um, when you think about it, when you sort of, like, try to break the fourth wall and go into, like, the production mindset of what it was like for, for this family, right? They have invited cameras to their town. They're going to be on a on a freaking Fox reality show (laughs) at a time where there wasn't, where that wasn't something that everybody was like, ooh, cool, I'm excited. There was probably a lot of like, oh, seriously? Like, I don't, why, why? Probably a lot of why. Um, But then also, they have to pull in their friends and their friends' businesses to be on the show too so that Paris and Nicole, like, have shit to do on the show. And so it starts, it, it, it's personal for them. So they don't want their friends to look like jerks on the show. They don't want Paris and Nicole and the concept of the show to negatively impact their friends' businesses. And so they actually are, there are real stakes in this. This isn't just like a fun game show anymore. This is like impacting Sure, like, so Paris and Nicole can go and spend a day at somebody's business, and they can do whatever damage that they can do, and they can cost the business, you know, a little bit of money. They can lose money in the cash register or whatever the job is that they're doing. But more importantly, what they do while they are there, if it is shown on TV, how does that impact that person's real-life business based on the fact that everybody else is going to be watching it? And so it's it's interesting the 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 many layers of of this because it is especially when you think about the time that they are in where they are in such the early two thousands that there wasn't a lot of precedent for it and when you think about it how brave of this letting family how brave of them to just seem seemingly trust it and and go with the process um, so in any case. Um, so it is 6 a.m. It is still dark out <laughs> and they are finally heading out. Um, so I think that we were cheated on the time. I don't think that the timestamps that they were giving us were actually accurate at all because there's no way that they woke up at 5.15 a.m. and were out the door by 6 a.m. There's just no way. I do not believe that for a single second. Um, but, you know, in any case, I'll I'll go along with the magic of TV for that. You know, I understand what we're trying to do here and we're trying to tell a story. Um, I did take a note and I wanted you all to know they are wearing matching orange leopard print Von Dutch hats, which, remember Von Dutch hats? 
I barely did. But I, I it was like I saw him and I was like, oh, that was such a thing for a minute. And these are orange and and camo. And I was curious. And so I had to do a, a quick, a quick brush of research. And I just looked up the Von Dutch website to see. I would have thought these would have been more expensive, but currently in, in 2020, a Von Dutch trucker cap sells for $40, which, yeah, that's a lot for, you know, an ugly trucker cap, but given who they are and the whole thing and, and how big they made that brand, everybody who was like wearing them back in, in that time, I kind of would have thought it would be more expensive. But in any case, um, so they finally get to the dairy place where they're going to be working for the day and they meet Danny. And Danny's an interesting character. He's, I'm going to say like, I'm going to say he's like 43 and a half. And he's sort of like, if we were going to give him a little bit of a glow up and we were going to cast him with somebody from Hollywood, I would generously cast Kyle Chandler in the role of Danny. And it's for a few reasons. First of all, it's just because I love Kyle Chandler and I want to see him in anything. I just want him on my TV all the time. But then also, they kind of have the same kind of like friendly-ish, father-ish, but also kind of stern, like I don't want to really upset you kind of vibe. Um, Danny in real life is maybe not exactly the same physical type as Kyle Chandler, but in my memory now, I'm just going to pretend that it was Kyle Chandler because it's just a little bit more pleasurable to think about it that way. So there we have, you know, Kyle Chandler and he's like, well, hey girls. Uh, and he comments that they're a little bit late, aren't you? Let's go get you clocked in so that we can roll. And I do think that it's interesting <laughs> that they're even going through the motions of clocking him, which is just sort of sweet. Um, it'll be the first and last time they've ever clocked in for anything in their life. And cool. Um, <laughs> Paris asks, ever the, you know, diplomat, do you get used to the smell? Because apparently it, it smells like, I would assume, cow manure, which is, I'm sure, not a great smell to be around. Um, and, uh, you know, Danny says, yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> he also says to Paris, it's nothing compared to that awful perfume that you're wearing. So Danny's cool. Danny wants to make a joke. Danny, I think, is a little into the idea of being on camera. Like, he's trying to get a couple of sly jokes in, but he's also, like, running a business, and he wants to, like, be seen as someone who's actually doing his job, which, you know, good for him. Um, they have to use an actual punch card, which, even in 2003, was that something that people actually did anywhere? Like, we didn't have a computer that you put in your number? They have a an index card kind of thing that you insert into a device that that clicks it down and 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 prints the time on it for you and he seemed just kind of like in in disbelief that they had never even seen one of these things before but you know neither had i I, 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 that was still the first time that I had ever seen one as well. And I'm not an heiress to a $360 million fortune. So I think that his expectations were a little bit unfair against them. So their first task, and I do like this task, if there was one task that I could take on, it would be this one, because it seems kind of fun. They get these cowbells, right? And... I had thought, I guess I had always assumed that a cowbell was something that a cow would wear, like 
so that you know where it is or something. I'm not sure. But they're holding the cowbells, and they have to go and walk around the entire dairy farm property and ring the cowbells and wake up all the cows. They have to actually wake up the cows, and it's like, don't you have a rooster for that? But in any case, they, they do. They walk around, and they're, like, so thankful that they wore their boots and not their heels today, and so am I, because someone would have turned an ankle if they were wearing heels, you know, walking through these um, mud fields and stuff. And so they're clanging their bells, waking up the cows, and I'm into it. That would definitely be a job that I could handle if I was working on the dairy farm. I think anyone could, so I'm not, like, probably... Um, gloating too much about any kind of specific skill set that I have, but I think that if I was going to do anything, that would be my task for the day. Um, so, but then after they like kind of wake them all up and get them into the area, they have to corral them into this, into this like runway queue situation. And uh, Danny tells Nicole, well, you have to yell at them, like kind of scare them to, to, to move it along, right? And um, I can't yell right now. I can't do a full Nicole Richie impression of what she does because I am recording this at currently 1224 AM. Um, and I don't want to startle any of my neighbors, um, or, you know, my sleeping Anderson. So, um, I'm just going to say it at a, at the same vocal level at which I'm talking, but I want you to imagine that I'm screaming at the top of my lungs with the passion of, the passion of just, you know, hellfire, fury, and brimstone in my voice. And, and Nicole was great for this job. She really did a good job. She says, I lost it. Where's my note? Sorry. All that lead up and I like messed it up. Okay, here we go. She says, move motherfuckers, get your fat asses down there. And I'm sorry, I didn't warn you I was going to curse, but it's, I think it's better if you go on, you know, not knowing and you're surprised as I was just to hear her say that. And of course it was bleeped, but that's, I know what she said. I could tell. Um, and so then all the cows move, they move it along because they understand that Nicole Richie does not joke around about these kind of things. <laughs> um, we have a quick cutaway to baby Braxton. He's the toddler who he established was either four or seven or somewhere in that range. I'm not sure. Um, and he's babysitting Tinkerbell, our chihuahua, because she couldn't come to, you know, the dairy farm because she probably would have gotten trampled or pooped on or something. I'm not sure. And, you know, he's, um, having a good time with Tinkerbell. He says he's going to make her a cheese sandwich, which is very cute. He takes out some slices of bread he takes out some some slices of cheese and he's like making and he's got the dog on the kitchen table which it's a little dog so now it's stuck on the kitchen table or if it gets too close to the edge it would fall off it wouldn't be able to jump off so that makes me a little anxious it also makes me anxious that like here's this like toddler just straight up giving a dog that's not his dog that he's somehow been tasked with taking care of like a like like a like a cheese sandwich like it's not cut up into bite-sized bites and a chihuahua has a very small mouth and I'm worried that we're gonna have like a choking situation I don't know in any case um so now we're gonna go back to uh to to the office they have finished their um their outside work for the moment now they're inside Paris is on the office phone talking to her mom right and now this makes me think that somehow it was real that they didn't get to bring their phones, their cell phones with them. Or maybe they did bring their cell phones, but like there's just no cell service out there. Like I can really believe in 2003, there was no cell service in Altus, Arkansas. 
So one or the other. But so she actually has to use this landline phone to talk to her mom, Kathy Hilton, for a minute. Which I thought was like wild. Um, but in any case. So then we have uh, Danny talking to Nicole while Paris is on the phone. And Danny uh, asks Nicole, hey, have you ever driven a Polish pickup? And I'm worried right away because I think that maybe this is going to be some kind of offensive thing. And in the end, I think it actually maybe is an offensive thing. I'm not sure. Um, she says no, but she would like to drive it. Um, and she's, and he's like, well, do you know how to drive stick? And he's, and she says, no, but I'll learn, I'll learn. And this is when we catch a very interesting statement. You'll do anything to drive, won't you? And that caught my ear. I rewound it. I replayed it again. And he says, you'll do anything to drive, won't you? Because she's so... Oh, you've got a Polish pickup? Yeah, I'll drive it. Can I drive it? Sure, I want to drive it. And it made me think about the previous episode where I spent a good amount of time discussing how much I felt like I identified with Nicole for being someone who could drive but just didn't like to and didn't want to. And I assumed that about her. And you know what they say about when people assume things. So I heard him say, you'll do anything to drive, won't you? And then like a, sh- like a lightning bolt hit me of inspiration, of, of thought. And I was like, oh shit. She's not not driving because she doesn't want to. She's not driving because she has a DUI, Right? She can't. She legally can't drive on screen because she has a DUI and they're filming and they all know it. They're not going to say that. We're not leading with that information, but that's why she's not driving. So I have to do some research. So I log back onto the internet and let me tell you what I found. So in February, February 27th, 2003... Nicole was arrested in Malibu, California for driving with a revoked license, which, you know, I couldn't find out why her license had been revoked in the first place. Maybe she just had too many parking tickets. Maybe she like, uh, you know, I don't know, it expired and she didn't renew it. So in some, she was, she was, well, I guess that would be expired, not revoked. So she was driving with a revoked license, which is serious. And, you know, heroin possession um, so she went to rehab after that. Um, but so that was in February of 03. Production for The Simple Life begins in May 03. Uh, what is that? Just a, a handful of months later. Um, there are other incidents later in, in her life legally and, and related to driving, but you know, we don't need to necessarily go down that road um because it's not relevant to the episode in which we're speaking or to the to the time period that we're speaking about and at the end of the day now here we are sitting in 2020 she's uh happy healthy and by all accounts doing phenomenally and that's the bottom line and the takeaway as much as i joke i do think that as serious as it is that she had a dui or two um and 
could have killed people. I do think that it is very cool to see her now in a place where she has, in my opinion, completely um, changed herself personally and most importantly, but also then her public perception and her brand and everything about her uh, from from where I'm sitting is is just like a different person. And so I think it's cool for people to know that, you know, people can change. And at this point in time, she's very young. She's in her early 20s. And while hopefully we don't all make such poor decisions as to like drive while under the influence or, you know, like the wrong way down a highway, we we do make poor decisions and we can kind of grow and learn from them and, and, and improve after them. So I, you know, big kudos to her for that. Um, and in any case, she really wants to drive <laughs> the Polish pickup and she's willing to do whatever it takes to, to drive it. And so Paris comes off the phone from her mom and she's like, well, that's not fair. How come Paris, how come Nicole gets to drive? And now you're saying that I have to just wash down the, the barn? Like that doesn't seem, why is that, right? Joke's on her, joke's on everybody. The Polish pickup is just a wheelbarrow. And I'm not under, I'm not like completely clear on, on what's the innuendo of what makes it a Polish pickup. But I don't think that it's PC, whatever it is. And so I didn't Google it. I don't really want to know. And I'm regretting that we're even talking about it at this point. But it was just an interesting segue into just getting into like the DUI and the driving of it all. So now that we've touched down on that, we're going to just continue plowing through. Um, Paris is like, <laughs> you thought it was a car after Nicole's like, womp, womp, it's a wheelbarrow. And she's like, you thought it was a car um, and I wanted in that moment to reach through my screen and be like, shut the fuck up, Harris. So did you. You were jealous of it three seconds ago. But now you're like, ooh, I knew it was in a car. Like, I, I, I didn't like that moment on Paris. It wasn't cute. By the way, during this entire scene, both of them are just chugging cans of Coke. So I think that this series is brought to us by Coca-Cola. Because it just doesn't track for me that they're, like, Coke drinkers. But, okay. Um, Coke drinkers. Uh, Okay. So then we get a montage of them spraying down the barn with hoses, which is fun. Uh, they are told that they have to spray down the cow's udders. The cows are all inside in this like corral, which is, you know, scary to begin with. And then they have to spray the udders down. And Paris says, rightfully so, I'm never drinking milk ever again. Nicole says, there's cow shit on my arm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times these girls exaggerate. A lot of times they're like really they may be like hamming it up for the camera or for a moment but we do get a cutaway and 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 there 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 truly is what looks to be poop splatter on on this towel that she happens to be holding and then Danny my Kyle Chandler um he comes in with a funny line and he's like well that's not as bad as the stuff on your cheek and it's gross and we don't get a cut we don't get a shot of like if there is poop on her cheek but I don't think Danny would be making that up. I think he's a truth teller. I think he's like, he's, he's our, he's our, our, our court jester of the moment. And he's going to tell us the truth and he's going to make us laugh about it. And I wish that he looked as attractive as Kyle Chandler while he was doing it. But you know, I digress. Um, we have another cutaway of Braxton, uh, back at home with Tinkerbell and he's bringing Brax Braxton around to meet the cows that they have at there at the, at the property at home, not the ones, the cows that Nicole and, and, uh, and Paris are spraying down. So he's like, hey, cows, meet Tinkerbell. Um, then he, uh, 
is over in their little like backyard playground where they have like some swings and a slide and then he takes Tinkerbell and he sort of sort of like pushes her down the slide which and she kind of has a tough landing a little bit of a tumble um I'm just wondering who's watching this child is this just the way that things go I mean like apparently the camera person is apparently babysitting Braxton and but who's advocating for the dog is really my question like I, I didn't actually check at the end, but I feel like we needed maybe uh, someone from the ASPCA to confirm that no animals were harmed in the making of this of this uh, TV episode, because I kind of think that Tinkerbell definitely was harmed a little bit. In any case, so now we have the the main challenge of, of the work episode part. They are given just like a ton of these empty glass bottles that they have to fill with the milk that, that has now been pumped out of the cows, which, okay, great. Um, and, and it's like a, a hose with like a spigot at the end and they have to like carefully fill each of the bottles and, and these are going like direct to consumer, um, milk purchases and the trucks coming to pick them up in, you know, 10 minutes and we've got some high stakes. Um, and he says they're 75 cents a piece and whatever you break comes out of your check and then you won't be able to go to the tannin bed because he's, he's sassy. He's, you know, he's early RuPaul, basically, at this point. He's just got zing after zing after zing. He's reading them. He's reading them for filth before that was even a thing. Um, and there's 200 bottles. They have to be done by 11 a.m. I'm not clear on what time it is, but I'm assuming that they got there, you know, we're told that they left at 6 a.m. So, you know, I'm not sure what their schedule was, but uh, they apparently do not have a lot of time. And I love it because it's very I Love Lucy. It's a very chocolate factory where it's just like, here are two people who don't really know what they're doing. They have a time limit. They have to do this job. Otherwise, you know, they're going to get in trouble. They don't care if they get in trouble, but like we have to pretend that they care that they're going to get in trouble. Um, so they're trying to fill it in there, but they're spilling so much milk all over the floor. They're doing this outside. So there's just like, they're standing now in like a puddle of, of, of milk as they're trying to fill these bottles and they've got just a mess everywhere. Um, so Nicole goes inside to get a bucket of water to like rinse down the cement underneath them so that Danny over here doesn't see how much milk they actually spilled. Cause that's wasteful, you know, it is. Um, and then as she's like, pouring the water out onto the floor to rinse it off, they also are like, well, hey, let's pour some of that water into these bottles so that they look fuller because they hadn't really been able to fill any of them. And I'm, you know, I, I do not work for the FDA, but I'm I'm quite certain that that is not safe and or, nor approved. I mean, we don't know where that water even came from, but I'm pretty sure it didn't come from anywhere like completely clean and sanitary that people should just be drinking it untested. Um, and so I'm worried about that and I really hope that nobody ended up getting those bottles. I hope that they were like, you know, props for the sake of the show. Um, they have a bunch of leftover empty bottles that they don't have time to fill. They just hide them. They put them under a thing. It's fine. No big deal. Um, and so like we finally like wrap up this whole exhausting event of them pretending to do work and not caring about it. Um, and, <laughs> one of them says, I've done more work today than I have in my whole life. I'm going to cry. I didn't credit that quote to whoever it is, but I honestly think it could have been either of them. It could be me right now, actually. It could have been um, Kyle Chandler. Um, so, uh, but then strangely, it seems that this dairy farm business establishment is actually also Danny's homestead. Maybe that's not strange. I don't know, but I just didn't get a read on that when we started. So 
they say, oh, did you happen to know, did you happen to notice the hot tub in the backyard? And they're like, awesome. And then we have like a little like musical break and a montage. And then all of a sudden they're in bathing suits and they're going out to, you know, Danny's hot tub in his backyard, like on their lunch break, it would seem, right? And I have some questions about it. First of all, you know, I think it's great that Danny has a hot tub, but like, that was just surprising to me that he, that he had a hot tub, like an in-ground hot tub with like a little deck built around it and stuff. So cool. Good for him. But if that's the case, then I think that he could spare the 75 cents for some of those broken and unfilled bottles. He seems to be doing all right for himself after all. Um, but then also how comparison Nicole had brought with them bathing suits. Like, how did we know that that was, so that seemed a little bit planned. I didn't completely believe that that was just an organic moment, but you know, in the end of the day, I don't think we're getting a lot of really organic moments from them, except for just the things that they say when they pop into their head and you just get these kind of funny lines that, that no one could have written for them because they're just so crazy. So they take a nice break laying out by the hot tub. Cool. Love it. Um, Paris says he's treating us like animals with no irony whatsoever to the fact that they are in fact, you know, working with animals, you know, which I thought was just kind of funny. Um, and then it seems like they go into this man's home and take a nap on his couch. Um, and he comes and finds them and they're just like cuddled up and they have very little, um, concern about personal space, Paris and Nicole. They, uh, just are kind of always lounging on top of each other. Was, uh, like conjoined twins almost, which is just doesn't exactly make sense to me because this is Paris's fourth person, fourth level option to be on this show. So like, it wasn't her sister. It wasn't her friend Rod Stewart's daughter. It wasn't her friend from the Band-Aid factory. It's Nicole Richie. How many friends, like, does that mean that the other friends, like what, how much closer could you be to a person than if you're like laying together under a blanket, taking a nap on a stranger's couch? So how, so the fact that they are that close makes me feel like Paris has some boundary issues maybe, or maybe like, I'm not sure. Anyway. Um, so they're taking a nap in Danny's house and he comes in and he says, you know what, girls, I'm going to send you home because I think I can finish the day easier without you. And he probably can. Um, and he says, you were here about nine hours. We've got, we got about six hours work out of you. So here's $42 a piece. And I did the math for you. If we're going with his statement that they actually worked for six hours out of the nine hours that they say they were there. Six hours, $42. They're getting $7 an hour in cash before taxes. Um, and let's be honest, they're not claiming taxes on this. Um, he's like, here you go. That's $42 a piece. And they both, polite as pie, say, thank you. And he hands them each two twenties and two singles. And it's just like, it's even in my head. It's like, really, we're going to, we're going to cheap out that hardcore that you're going to give them $42 in cash. We couldn't have just made it 50 or even 60. Like he didn't just have some, that just seemed a little thankless to me. Um, and he, he says what I would consider to be, I guess, maybe the quote of the episode, just cause it's pretty heavy and pretty accurate. He says, I don't know what it is that y'all are looking for in life, but I hope you find it. 
And they say thank you and leave, like the polite girls that they are. We're not going to give you any trouble. We're good girls, no matter whatever you heard. So they get home. Paris, they're doing this thing where they are pretending that they really care what the dad, Albert, is going to say. They're they're trying to create some kind of false drama about the fact that Albert's going to, like, crack down on them because he's the man of the house and he's the dad and da-da-da-da. They could give a shit what Albert thinks, in my opinion. Um, but they, for the cameras, I think they're being, like, spiced up to pretend that there's, like, some stakes involved here that Albert's gonna, like, what, punish them? Send them to their mudroom? Like, put them down in the bottom of the well? I'm not sure. But, um, so they're, like, kind of for the sake of the show, I think, being like, oh, I'm so nervous. Albert's gonna be so mad at us. And Paris says, I cannot believe we got fired on our first day of work, which I don't think even happened. I think they just got sent home early from the only day of work they were scheduled to do because they weren't meant to ever keep these jobs, like, long-term. It wasn't like we were gonna do an entire season of them just with Kyle Chandler on the farm, although if it was really Kyle Chandler, I would love that. Um, and then maybe we could have had, like, some, like, shirtless scenes, some, like, whatever. In any case, um, enough about me and Kyle Chandler. So, uh, so I don't think that they actually did get fired, but we're really just trying to like jazz up this whole thing. We're trying to make an episode here. And to be quite honest, I don't feel like they really like, they don't, they don't pull an episode out of, out of the contents of today of what happened in this. Um, but so they're getting ready for this barbecue that's going to happen tonight. Um, and they're looking forward to Justin's friends, one of the sons, um, his friends, I'm sure they're going to be hot guys. It turns out to just be kind of like a bunch of dads in short sleeve polos that are tucked into their like super blue jeans and, and like belts. And like, they're very, what you would expect Arkansas dads, they are not Kyle Chandler. Um, and so they're basically, there's this weird shot. At some point, Nicole comes out of the house to stand outside with the guys, the barbecue theoretically is going to be happening. And she's standing in the middle and all of the guys are like sort of almost in a circle, a semicircle around her. And also nobody's talking. And we also don't know where Paris is. It turns out that Paris is getting her own special getting ready little montage. So then they cut away and Paris is like, I'm trying on this dress, I'm trying on this hat, I'm doing my lip gloss, my lip gloss, my lip gloss, a lot of lip gloss. Um, and so I, so I was just uncomfortable by this whole thing that like Nicole is just standing there in the middle of the circle of all of these guys, like their dads, and then there's like their sons who hopefully are at least in the land of 18, but I'm unsure. So I wanted to just let you know the Paris, what she's going to wear here. She's got this like gray florally dress with a slit up to the thigh. It's like a very like, you know, very early 2000s. It's like shapeless. It just kind of, it's like, you know, like a, like a sheath dress, I guess you would maybe call it. Um, but it, there's nothing, not much to it. And, but it's like got some, it's florally lacy, got some cutouts. Um, and then she's wearing just like this wide brim uh, soft beige hat. I can't exactly describe it, but I'm thinking if you're trying to visualize it, like, think, think like Carmen Sandiego, but in like, um, like a nude beige kind of look. Um, it's a choice. And, um, she's wearing like, like a nice, a cute wedge sandal and she's just carrying a pack of six and she's ready to go. She's ready to go to this barbecue. Um, but while we're outside, we've, we've got Nicole and she's trying to like keep up a conversation with, you know, these dads and their sons and 
their blue jeans and their tucked in polos. And um, she says, and now I, I don't want to go back into the whole question of Nicole's musical career, but it does come back up. She says, I'm mostly doing musical theater stuff, but I'm about to record an album. So we're getting conflicting information from Nicole. Back here, she's recording, she's doing this um, reality show in, in 2003, and she says, but I'm about to record an album. And then a few years later, on, I think, on The View, or maybe it's on Kelly, no, it's People Magazine, she, she, she gives an interview that she says, I've just got too much on my plate right now to consider doing an album. And it's like, Nicole, make up your mind. Are you a recording artist or aren't you? And so, I'm sorry, I was just a little frustrated with that, because I'm thinking about, like, all of the great bops that we could have gotten from 2003, Nicole Richie. Like, I think we could have gotten some really great songs, and I wonder if maybe some of them are in a, you know, in a vault somewhere, and if they are, can we get them? And what are they called? Like, there's just, I have so many questions, but in any case. So she says, I'm mostly doing musical theater right now, which I also don't really know what that means, because per her credits, I, I didn't see anything specifically, but I did find out. I went to the library and I pulled some newspaper records on the microfiche film machine. That's a lie. I just went on Wikipedia and I found out that in 2008, she auditioned for Maureen in Broadway, Maureen in Rent on Broadway. And, um, she did not, uh, get offered the role, however, um, which I think she could have, I, um, if there's a role in Rent that Nicole Richie would have been cast in, it would have been the role of Maureen. And I'll leave it at that. Um, but, and this blew my mind, I read on Wikipedia that she was offered the role in Chicago, Broadway, musical Chicago, of Roxy Hart. And famously, Erica Jane of, of Beverly Hills Housewives just played Roxy Hart. And Roxy Hart, like, Chicago's been on Broadway for about 75 years. And so they're sometimes going to do anything that they can to get butts in seats. And they'll do some celebrity casting. And sometimes they'll do a celebrity casting in the role of Mama Morton, the, you know, Queen Latifah role, if you're thinking the movie. And sometimes they'll do celebrity casting in the role of uh, Roxy Hart, the Renee Zellweger character. Um, but, you know, by all accounts, that's not, like, necessarily an easy part. That's not, like, a like a walk-on, non-singing kind of part. That's a real part. Um, so I'm surprised to learn that she was offered that role, and I really wish that she had taken it, and maybe in the future we could still see that happen, um, you know, in the future when Broadway, you know, opens again that would be great. Let's, let's reopen with Nicole Richie as, as Roxy Hart. Let's see if we can get Paris to come in and be like fucking Velma Kelly. I'm in, I'm in. I would, I would pay truly a thousand dollars for a ticket to see that back row. I pay a thousand dollars for a back row ticket to see Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton in Chicago. In any case, wow, I got really caught up in that fantasy. I, it'll never happen, but oh my God, imagine if that happened. Um, so Paris comes out to the barbecue 
where I don't see any barbecuing happening whatsoever. It just seems more like a bunch of guys standing on, on someone's front lawn or backyard. I can't tell. Uh, and then they seem to go right back inside, Paris and Nicole. They're like, this sucks, and it's cold out, and da-da-da. And then they're having a little chat with Mom Janet, and she comes over with Tinkerbell, and she's like, oh, Tinkerbell was cold, so I put her little sweater on. And it's like, thank God somebody's watching this dog, because, like, certainly Paris and Nicole aren't, and it, I guess, didn't have anything to do with the fact that they were at the dairy farm all day. It just seems like, you know, I, I think that Tinkerbell is only alive based on the kindness of strangers at this point. You know, I think she's alive in spite of, of Paris, to be quite honest. And, you know, that that's that's tough. That's tough to see. That's tough to learn about about the mother-daughter relationship that we're seeing there with Paris and Tank. Um, but, you know, Janet's sweet. She's trying to help. She's trying to do her best that she can. Um, so uh, later that night, we've got Paris and Nicole, again, snuggled on the couch, you know, like like Sarah Paulson 1 and Sarah Paulson 2, inseparable. Uh, and uh, they're talking to Janet, and they're like, we think that Albert, uh, the dad... They think he hates us. He's mean to us. He hates us. Da, da, da. And literally, as they're saying how mean he is, um, he brings them in uh, pieces of pie. And check this. The pie is on real plates. So they did have real plates. I don't know why they were eating off of styrofoam, whatever it was in the first episode. That was very strange. So they've got nice pieces of pie on real plates with real forks, you know. So it seems like he doesn't hate them. He's bringing them pie and it's on, you know, actual dishes, which I think is just really thoughtful at this point. And he says, um, they're like, oh, the mom's like, oh, they think that you're mean or they think that you don't like them, da 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 And he basically bottom lines it. And he says to them, stay scared, but know that I like you. And I think that that is parenting at its best. I want to like write that line down god forbid i should ever have any children i want them to know that i think stay scared of me but know that i like you i think that's a great tactic and i think that parents you know maybe should think about doing that more and especially if you have you know a child like paris or nicole like i think they need to be a little bit scared of you but they also need to feel that love and affection um and then we get the final cut the final shot of of the episode which is again silly <laughs> i think that we were really stretching to come up with really anything to give so we get a shot of the outside of the house it's nighttime everyone's gone to bed and we get a timestamp and it's 12:46 a.m. it is after their curfew it is um definitely later than the time that they are allowed to go out based on the rules that albert was giving them in the previous episode right and we get a like Paris saying, I don't care. I'm scared of him, but I don't care. We're still going out. Something petulant like that. And then we see them like like look like they're sneaking out of the house and they run around the house and then we get a shot of like they run around into the darkness, which I think they probably just go back in the back door of the house. But then we also get like a shot of the um, the truck driving away into the night, and then we get a shot of Albert standing in the window, creepy, like, you know, some horror movie, uh, staring off at them as they're driving away, breaking the rule, and this is all very, I think, produced. Um, and so I'm sorry to report kind of negatively on this episode as far as just the way that it overall felt, but it felt quite produced, and it felt like we were pulling at straws here, to to get some to get some tension and some drama now 
I'm, I'm with it and I'm continuing forward in my recap of The Simple Life because I know that in future episodes, shit gets real. Like, things escalate. Uh, so we will talk next time. More Simple Life. Uh, more Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D-List. And m- more of whatever you're interested in hearing about. So just let me know. And uh, I'm happy to do it. So thanks so much. And uh, see you soon.